Of course, the overarching theme is the birth of Jesus. That's why we are here to celebrate this morning. The very reason we celebrate Christmas. But there's more. is there more significance behind the idea of one falling on their knees? I believe the Bible answers that question. As we sang this morning about falling on your knees to hear the angel voices, the idea of being in awe, it's the idea of being awe at the birth of Jesus Christ. But can I say, that's only the beginning. And those of us that know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we understand that. That Jesus Christ came down to this earth, leaving the splendor of heaven to give us the greatest gift that one could ever know. <clears throat> but I do believe that the Bible talks much about falling to our knees. So for a moment this morning, I'd like to just highlight a couple of the passages out of probably close to 30 different passages that deal with one falling to their knees. I want to highlight just five of them this morning, if, if I could. The, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the first one I want to look at this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to read verses 14 through 19. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his Spirit, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. <clears throat> I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. As we look at that passage this morning, we see a couple of very significant things that I believe stand out. First of all, they knelt to pray. They knelt to pray. And what did they pray for specifically? They prayed for strength in the inner man. I believe that's something that all of us that know Jesus Christ should pray for daily, that we might have strength to respond and to live the life that God has called us to live. Amen? We ought to pray for that strength. But they also prayed for something very significantly here. They prayed for the Messiah that He would dwell in their hearts. That's the very reason we celebrate Christmas, is because God sent His Son to die on a cross, but first to be born as a baby, to, be, to, to live in this life, to be a, a, a sinless, perfect sacrifice, so that we may know Jesus Christ, so that He may dwell in our hearts. Oh, it's easy to get distracted this time of year, isn't it? Anybody not busy? Anybody not have one more Christmas party to get into? Anybody have not just a couple more gifts to get? It gets crazy. It gets distracting. And if we're not careful, we come out of focus of what is most important. But really what they prayed for, not only for strength for the inner man, but they prayed that the Messiah would dwell in their hearts. I wonder if we're praying for that during our season of, of Christmas. And then they also prayed for comprehension. Comprehension of what? Well, that they might know. What it is that God wants him to know. As we look at the passage, it says uh, in verse 17, And the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. He said, we are praying that people everywhere might comprehend just what God has done for them. Just how great this love is. I wonder if we understand that. I wonder if we truly get a grip of that, that every day as we do something wrong, God loves us still. I used to think when I was in junior high that there was a God up in heaven, and every time I did something wrong, he was just waiting for his almighty thumb, just to go, there you did it again. But the older I get, I realize that God loves us far too much for that. I love the fact that God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, 27, 30th, 100 chances. 
In fact, an opportunity that he gives us every day to confess our sins because he loves us so much that he sent his son to die, to shed his blood, that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we may walk in the spirit with him. So it was a prayer for strength in the inner man. It was a prayer that the Messiah would dwell in their hearts. It was a prayer for comprehension. And it was a prayer to know the Messiah's love. And because of that, they knelt to pray. I would challenge all of us as children of God that we need to take some time and kneel in prayer. There's another passage in the book of Ezra. In the Old Testament, Ezra. And it's one of those little tiny books that if you're not careful, you go over it 27 times. Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah. There we go. There we go. Ezra chapter 9, verses 4 through 9. It says, Everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel gathered around me because of the unfaithfulness of the exiles. Well, I sat devastated until the evening offering. At the evening offering, I got up from my humiliation with my tunic and robe torn. Then I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to Yahweh my God and said, My God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face toward you. My God, because our iniquities are higher than our heads and our guilt is as high as the heavens. Our guilt has been terrible from the days of our fathers until the present. And he goes on and he is torn over the sin of his people, the sin of the exiles. And he says, God, I am, I, I'm humiliated by this. So we see in this passage in Ezra chapter 9, verses 4 through 9, that they knelt, that he specifically knelt once again to cry out to Yahweh. And he cried specifically for two things. Number one, to seek repentance. I wonder if there's a time that we realize just how sinful we are as God's children. That our sin does cause humiliation. Sometimes I wonder, how could I just ask God's forgiveness of this sin and five minutes later catch myself doing it all over again? In my flesh I am weak. And I need God. But I'm thankful that He reminds us. So it was a prayer to seek repentance. But it was also a prayer to seek reconciliation with God. And I hope that's what our desire is. That when we realize that we are a sin, when there's sin in our lives, that we deal with it and we once again kneel before God our Maker and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And God, restore our relationship so that we too can have sweet fellowship with God. So... We see in Ephesians that they knelt in prayer. And we see in Ezra chapter 9, they knelt to seek repentance and reconciliation. And then we see in the book of Daniel, a very familiar passage. In Ezekiel, or Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. I think we're all familiar with the passage here. You all remember when Daniel was about to be challenged in his faith and his obedience to God. And we see in verse 10 it says, When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house, the windows in its upper room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You see, what world put on him, what stipulations the king put on him, no matter what was going on all around him, he still was going to be committed to getting down on his knees. And praying before his God. So what did he pray for? He prayed to give thanks to God amidst difficulty. Man, we live in a social media world. And every time we have a problem, the whole world knows about it. And I'm probably a little bit ashamed to say is the last person to be consulted about it is God. We call our friends. We call our neighbors. We call our family. We post it for the world to see. But Daniel says, I don't care what document's been signed. I don't care how difficult this may get. 
I'm getting down on my knees. And he said, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give thanks. Man, what a lesson to learn. What's something that, man, that's something every one of us can learn from, right? Is that in a time of difficulty, and especially this season, let's get on our knees and say, God, thank you. I don't like difficult circumstances. I don't know about you. I don't like when things aren't going right. I don't like it when things don't go as I plan, right? I don't think Daniel could have planned all that stuff if he wanted to. He wouldn't have chosen it, in other words, if he, if he, if he had the choice. God allowed it, and he said, I'm going to get on my knees and thank him for it. And he got on his knees and praised. And then, coming into Acts chapter 7, there's another one that I think is a great lesson for us to learn from. In Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, it says this. It says, they were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep or he died. Here, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60, he fell to his knees. Here he is being stoned. Here's a man of God who is standing up for right and righteousness being stoned. And even while being stoned, he fell to his knees. For what? To pray for mercy on his assassins. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of one of those people that kind of like retaliation. My gun's bigger than your gun. Um, you get me, I'm going to get you back because that's my human nature and flesh, right? No, I don't want to do that. Not in my spirit anyway. I, don't, I know that doesn't please God, even though I want to do that in my flesh. But here he is being killed, stoned. And what does he do? He drops to his knees. And then one more. In Psalm chapter 95, I think this is some, probably we're a little more closer to where most of us live, or at least want to live. In Psalm chapter 95, verses 6 and 7, he says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pleasure, the sheep under His care. They knelt to worship. You know what kneeling and worship requires? Humility and submission. I don't know about you, but that goes so contrary to our culture that we live in. In our culture, it's all about number one, right? It's not about the one, it's about number one. And so we tend to live life as though how it affects us in our circle, in our little bubble. And when someone pops our bubble, we're all upset. And the whole world turns upside down because we're angry about it. But when we kneel before God in worship... We are saying, God, it's all about you and nothing about me, right? And it requires for us to be submissive to his authority, submissive and humble in his presence. And he says, said, let us all kneel before him. This is amazing. Ephesians, they knelt to pray for strength. They prayed that the Messiah would dwell in their hearts. They prayed for comprehension. They prayed that they might know the Messiah's love. In Ezra, he knelt to seek repentance and reconciliation. In Daniel, he knelt to give thanks to God amidst difficulty. In Acts 7, he knelt, fell to his knees to pray for mercy on his assassins. And then in Psalm 95, he says, let us all kneel to worship. I wonder, I just asked myself this question. 
When's the last time that we knelt before God? Just think about that. We run, and we go, and we're in a hurry, and we got a to-do list to do. And we pray for 10 seconds before a meal because we want to ask God's blessing on us so we don't choke and die. I mean, we just, we just want to just quick prayer and, you know, microwave Christianity. But when's the last time we sat and knelt before God? When's the last time, and I speak this to myself, and I'm not going to condemn anyone, but when's the last time we got down on our knees before God and said, God, I need you. God, forgive me of my sin. God, pray for those that don't understand my life. God, pray, God, that you would just have mercy on those around me. God, thank you for the circumstances you put me in. When's the last time that any of us have gotten down on our knees and submitted to God and his authority and said, God, you've got to do a work in my life? See, that's contrary to our culture. It's contrary to the way we live. And yet it's the example that God's word gives us. As we sung earlier, the wise men knelt before Jesus at his birth. But God's word says that one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now let me clarify that just for a moment. God's word says that every knee will bow and confess who Jesus Christ is. But not everyone will attend heaven. Not everybody will get into those gates. You see, the only way one is going to get into heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, every day, or one day, every knee will bow and they'll say, yes, he is Lord. But God's word reminds us that there will be many in that day who said, Lord, Lord, haven't I not done many things and miracles in your name? And he still will say, what? Depart from me, for I never knew you. Oh, every day, every, one day, every knee will bow. But let me just say this, it'd be better to bow in humiliation than in submission to Jesus Christ one. And say, God, I willingly bow before you. I willingly submit to you. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, verse 11, it says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then he says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people whereby we must be saved. So the reality is this. One day we will bow. Willingly or unwillingly, you will bow. But only those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ will get into heaven. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And the whole reason Jesus Christ came down to this earth, the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas, is because Jesus Christ gave himself on the cross to shed his blood that we might have forgiveness of sins. Isn't that awesome? Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages or the penalty or the just response of our sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the greatest gift. It is a gift given through Jesus Christ. First to be born as a baby, to live life as a man, to be without sin, and then to be sacrificed on the cross of Jesus Christ. Calvary said many times throughout the last several years I, I'm thankful that God made salvation simple because if it wasn't I, I, I'd be lost. God knows I don't have a great comprehension of much of anything A, B, C admit that I'm a sinner Romans 3.23 says for all of sin and falls short of the glory of God that means every one of us in this room here this morning if we're honest with ourselves we know that we are sinners and that there's not a day probably that goes by in each of our lives 
whereby we don't do something that breaks the heart of God in some way or another. Wrong thought, wrong action, wrong reaction. We're sinners. If you've ever told a lie, if you ever cheated, you ever stole, you're a sinner. All of us are. Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner? B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's one of the most familiar verses that any of us could ever heard. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe that Christ died on the cross? Do you believe that he paid the price for your sin? It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the price for your sin. And C, very simply, two things, confess and call. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I confess, God, you did exactly what you said you did on the cross, God. I believe that. And I put my faith and trust in you. And verse 13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And God, I call on you to be my Savior. I put my faith and trust in you. As simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died on the cross. Confess your sins and call on him to be your Savior. If you've never done that, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I just trust this morning that if God is working in your heart to know him for certain, that you make that decision. Don't walk away and say, hey, I'll pray later. Or I'll, I'll deal with it later, some other time. I'll get more serious later. We don't have the guarantee of later. In fact, Proverbs 27 says, Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know when we're going to die, and we don't know when Christ is going to come. So there's no better time to take care of your decision for salvation than at the present. If you don't know Jesus, it's the greatest decision you can ever make. That's why we sing today. That's why we sing. That's the reason for Christmas is that Christ came down to this earth, gave his life, shed his blood, that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might have a hope of heaven one, one day. Let's pray.